Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. We have had an unbelievable month of episodes, and uh, we're concluding that month with today's episode, which I think is going to be really helpful for you. We're going to be talking about the three things the spirit of religion does and wants to do in our life. But before we dive into that, I want to just do a quick disclaimer about what I think the spirit of religion is. And this is one of those topics where I expect at least some of you guys are going to disagree with me. That's okay, um, because you can't prove it and I can't prove it, right? So what we're doing is we are trying to extrapolate our thinking off of what we know to be true. In the kingdom of darkness, there are both possessing spirits and territorial ruling spirits. They're two different categories. It's not the same thing. So in Ephesians 6, when we're told to put on our armor, the armor of God, and we're told to be on the lookout for cosmic powers and and authorities and principalities, those are different than the demons that are possessing people that we're casting out. They're two different types of demonic spirit. And this is not a podcast dedicated to that, and it would probably take me several episodes to really unpack theologically where all those come from, but that's probably what you need to know. Possessing spirits, that's their goal, is to possess you, and they will try to oppress you if they can't possess you. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus is in your heart. So that demonic spirit cannot possess that heart, but it can oppress that heart. This is where we get demonic torment, where we get a lot of our spiritual warfare, where we get um, like spirits of sickness and infirmity. Not all sickness is a demonic spirit, but some of it is. Uh, All of that is coming from these possessing spirits. But there is another category out there of demonic ruling sort of lesser gods or or pagan gods um, that is very real. And Ephesians 6 talks about it other places as well. And these spirits, they're not trying to possess you. They are ruling over regions by... Um, using what I like to call mind control. Essentially, they're trying to set up strongholds of thought in your mind so that you will lead yourself contrary to the ways of God. Um, Let's just get controversial just for a second. Buckle up in your seatbelt. Let's let the oxygen mask come down with the flight attendants for us for a moment. These ruling territorial spirits, they have no desire to come inside of you and possess you. They have a desire to affect you mentally to get you to believe something different than God. This would be like abortion. Uh, This would be like the biblical definition of marriage. This would be like... um, Man, we could go into so many. (laughs) This would be like control. Uh, This is literally other specific religions as well. Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, um, Islam, all of this. These are all empowered by lesser gods, okay? And you can kind of tell the difference when you look at how long these thoughts have been in the earth. 
Um, because these demonic gods, they were created by God originally to serve the purposes of God. And so they've been around since the beginning. And that's why we have some of these like ancient ways of thought that are still prevalent today because they're being continually submitted out from these ruling cosmic powers that Ephesians 6 tells us. So when we put on the, the helmet of salvation, when we put on the armor of God, we have an opportunity to protect ourselves from what these sort of territorial spirits, principalities, you may have heard him call these things cosmic powers, uh, what they're trying to do. And what they want to do more than anything is get your mindset onto a specific thing, which is not the way that God wants you to be. When you empower through your thoughts specific ungodly thinking, then you will actually lead your life in that way, even though you are a believer spending time with God, having an active relationship with God. Let's take abortion, for example. This is not to shame anyone. This is just the the least controversial I can think of, which is comical in today's world. There is a demonic principality named Molech in the Bible, and he was the god of child sacrifice, and I believe he still is the god of of child sacrifice. And Molech wants the people of God to not have a problem with abortion so that he can receive the sacrifice of the babies that are unborn. And so when we as believers vote pro-abortion rules and legislation, what we're doing is demonstrating that we have this principality's thought process in our mind. It has not possessed us, but it has affected us to where we vote. Does this make sense? So I'm not saying that you, I'm not, I'm just going to leave that there. Okay. You know my heart. I'm not trying to shame you. What I'm trying to say is the difference between a possessing spirit and a territorial spirit. When it comes to the spirit of religion, I see the spirit of religion not as a possessing spirit. What I mean by that is if you finish this podcast and you go, wait a second, I have the influence of the spirit of religion in my life, you're not necessarily going to cast it out of you. You cannot cast out a mentality. You have to renew your mind. You have to undo the work of that mentality. This is why we get into like the spirit of Jezebel is one. It's not a possessing spirit. It's actually a territorial spirit. It's like a cosmic power. So we try to cast Jezebel out from people, but Jezebel is a mindset that needs to be renewed and repented of and rejected and replaced with the ways of God. So, okay. Wow, I am just barely scratching the surface of a gigantic topic. Send me your questions if you've got them. Shoot me um, messages on social media and I can do a follow-up if you guys want. Um, So let's talk about the spirit of religion specifically. It's my personal opinion that the spirit of religion is not trying to possess you. And what I don't know to be true is, is the spirit of religion a specific ruling spirit or is it a tool that the other cosmic powers are using? Now, let me explain what I mean. When Jesus is talking uh, in the Bible, he has a couple of three different chapters. Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke all reference this moment, two separate moments, where Jesus mentioned the leaven of the Pharisees. And he says to the disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And in the book of Luke, we actually get this little parenthesis that says, which is hypocrisy. There are two different times that Jesus was telling the disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the leaven of the Pharisees is what you and I would call the spirit of religion. And so it begs the question, why did Jesus call it leaven instead of a demonic spirit, which he does refer to demonic spirits in some, right? 
So why does he call it leaven? And furthermore, why does Jesus use the imagery of leaven like he does in other parables? Leaven in the Bible is notoriously synonymous with sin, but Jesus preached a parable about the kingdom of heaven being like a little bit of leaven that a woman worked into a whole batch of dough. So in that regard, the kingdom of heaven is not sin. Leaven was used as a as not as sin. So it gets really interesting, right? And I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know that I can unequivocally say the spirit of religion is a principality or it's a mindset and a tool of other principalities. But what I know is what it is, what it does, what it's trying to convince you of. Does that make sense? So that being said, you might say, well, how can you know that? Well, because I've been studying it for a long time. And I would say my own personal opinion would be that maybe the spirit of religion is a, a principality as well, um, but it exists in in multiple cultures in multiple different territories, which is why it sort of challenges my personal thinking on whether it's a principality positioned over the Midwest or if it's a tool that multiple principalities are using. But let's dive into what it actually is, the three ways the spirit of religion is influencing you, trying to. And the reason why we're just going to call it the spirit of religion is just for the easeability of the English language to just say this is what it is. When you notice the leaven of the Pharisees in your life, this outworking, you're going to see these three things happening. Number one, the, the leaven of the Pharisees and the spirit of religion, which are the same thing, are constantly trying to add steps to God. They're always trying to add steps to God. Let's talk about this. Jesus is on the cross, right? And he says, it's finished. And when he says it is finished, the veil between the Holy of Holies and the temple is torn in two and symbolizing and signifying that now through Christ, you have complete access to God. You have union with him. He, his blood has made you holy. You are sanctified. I'm not saying you don't still have problems with sin. I'm saying that your nature now is not a sinful being. It is a sanctified creature of God. The spirit of religion wants to add hoops for you to jump through. Now, it's not just that by his blood you are saved by the confession of your mouth, by the belief in your heart, but also you have to do good things. Also, you have to make sure that you haven't done certain things. It adds hoops for you to jump through. This is actually a really, really big deal. When you think about your life and how you connect with God, if there is anything that you believe is standing in the way of you connecting with Jesus, it's probably the spirit of religion making you think that. Why? Because biblically speaking, and we've talked about this extensively this month, biblically speaking, you are united with Christ if you are saved, and there is now nothing blocking you. If you have sin in your life, your sin is actually causing you to withdraw from his presence. The Bible tells us we can boldly approach his throne of grace. God is actually welcoming you into his presence at all times now. You are never separated from him. But the spirit of religion wants you to think that you are. When you go a few days and you haven't felt the presence of God and you start feeling like, well, maybe I need to fast, maybe I need to do this, maybe I need to do that. Those are not wrong things. Those are not bad things. But you you alone can gauge in your motive. Do you feel like you have to jump through some hoops to get God's attention? That is the leaven of the Pharisees. That's the spirit of religion in your work. It is always uh, trying to add steps between you and God. The second thing that the spirit of religion is constantly trying to do, and this is so big, it is always focusing on behavior modification. 
It's always focusing on what you do, not what you think and believe. Here's the biblical truth. What you think is who you are. This is what Proverbs says. As a man thinks, so he is. Jesus says it this way in Matthew. you got to clean the inside of the cup and the outside comes clean. What is he saying? What you think about is the indicator of who you are, not what you actually do. Now, again, what you actually do matters, but it doesn't matter as much as what you think. Does this make sense? If you think a certain thing is bad, you're going to stay away from it. If you think a certain thing is good, you're not going to have a problem with it. Are you tracking with me? What you think in your mind is an indicator of what you really believe about God, about his ways, about what he's doing in your life, and God knows that. And so does the spirit of religion, which is why it tries to get you so focused on what you actually do instead of what you think. I had a conversation with with someone uh, a while back. This person is notoriously untrustworthy. They have made a lot of bad decisions. They've put my kids in in very uncomfortable and compromising uh, situations. And and I was uh, drawing some boundaries with this person. And I was saying, look, you know, um, we're just not going to have you in in our life in this way uh, because it's dangerous. It's dangerous to the kids. And and the reason why it was dangerous is because. We didn't know what he was going to do. We didn't know what he would do or say because we know how he thinks. Does this make sense? So this person kept saying, look, just tell me what's off limits. Just give me behavior modification. That's the phrase they kept using. Just tell me how to modify my behavior and I'll never do those bad things. I said, listen, it doesn't work that way because you're not changing your mind. You still don't understand why this is dangerous. You still don't understand why this would affect them negatively. And so because of that thinking, it doesn't matter what we tell you not to do. You're going to be unsafe because you like think it's not a problem. And it was this point of huge contention for a long time until we were able to finally get some breakthrough with them to say, look, it, there's not going to be behavior modification because I'm not interested in what you can like clean yourself up to do for that moment. I'm interested in who you are. And this is how God feels, too. God is not asking for you to like go six weeks without vaping, (laughs) to go two months without smoking weed. God is saying, what are you thinking? Literally, what is the thoughts that are in your mind that are feeling like you need cigarettes, that are feeling like you need pornography, like you need those things? Does this make sense? If he can get to your mind, he can get to your actions. Same goes for God and the same goes for the spirit of religion. This is why Jesus said to the disciples, it's a warning. Beware of this thinking. Beware of how it's going to come into you. Ephesians tells us that the enemy sends these things like fiery darts. And these fiery darts are thoughts that come into our mind that we do not think and God does not think. And the enemy wants us to think. If you do something wrong, you make a mistake and you begin to feel ashamed and that shame begins to be a spiral, those thoughts are actually from the pit of hell. They're trying to cause division between you and God. So the number one thing, the spirit of, or the first thing I should say, the spirit of religion is trying to do in your life is add steps into your relationship with God, that you have to have hoops that you got to jump through to be close to him. The second one is that he's always trying to get you to focus on your behavior Get your mind off your thoughts. Get it onto your behavior. That's where you know the spirit of religion is at work in your life. And the third thing that the spirit of religion does, the spirit of religion 
in like, you know, it's asking you to add steps into your relationship with God. And then it will take those steps that you've added and make those more meaningful than God himself to you. The traditions and the rituals become more meaningful to us than actually experiencing his presence. This is like churchianity 101. When the act of going to church makes us feel good, like we've connected to God, even if God wasn't really there in that service, even if we didn't really connect with God in that service, the fact that we went makes us feel good. That's what the spirit of religion is trying to do in your life. If you read your Bible every day, even if if that's a good thing, right? But where the spirit of religion wants is for you to actually read it and the act of reading it, not what you're reading, but the action of reading it feels like you're good now, like you've done something good, even if you didn't feed on that word. That's the spirit of religion. Does this make sense? I'm not saying reading the Bible is religion. Obviously, that's not true. What I'm saying is when you pick up your Bible and you just do Bible roulette and you let it open to something and you read a couple chapter, a couple verses in Jeremiah about, you know, terrible things that that is happening, the wrath of God on the people, and then you close your Bible and the, what you read means nothing to you, but you now feel good because you read your Bible, that's elevating the tradition over the relationship with God. That's elevating the action of this ritual over actually connecting with the Holy Spirit. We do this. The spirit of religion tries so hard to get us to do this. It's like a Christmas Eve service, right? Years ago, my family would go to this Christmas Eve service at a, at a church um, in my parents' hometown. They didn't go to the church. We didn't go to the church. It was just kind of like a thing that we would do. And I, I just felt like it was like just going through the motions. The worship was like nobody was really worshiping. It was just like choir time. And um, then they would say like a half-hearted message. And I know I'm being critical here, but I'm just being honest. I wanted to worship my Savior on the eve of his birth. I wanted to to cry. I wanted to be moved. I wanted to have a response in my spirit to, I mean, I'm not just going after emotionalism, okay, but I wanted to have, I wanted to feel alive as I engaged in this amazing holiday. And what I discovered was some of the people around me felt good because they actually did this thing, not because the thing did anything for them. Does that make sense? So we stopped going. We created our own tradition for Christmas Eve that actually is incredibly meaningful and God draws near and and we love it. And I know God draws near to a whole bunch of Christmas Eve services. So this is not, this is not a bashing thing. What I'm trying to help you see is what's going on in the heart. When we go to church on Sunday, just to check the box, you have fallen prey to the spirit of religion. When you go to church on Sunday just because you feel like obligated to do it, it's a duty and you leave feeling like a little bit of relief, even though you didn't connect with God, that's the work of the leaven of the Pharisees. Why? Because it has elevated the tradition and the ritual over the connection with Jesus. This is eventually the spirit of religion's end goal, is that we would have a system built up that we enjoy being a part of that is devoid of God. This is what the Pharisees were doing. They were enjoying this club mentality where they went through all these hoops and did all of these things, but they missed God himself standing in their midst because they loved their structure more than they loved their God. 
So the three things the spirit of religion is trying to do, this is the mindset of the of the leaven of the Pharisees. Can you see how if you have this at work in your mind, you will actually kind of go on autopilot, right? You'll go on autopilot for a whole year showing up to church on Sunday, even though you're not getting anything out of it. And you feel good that you went, that you don't even spend time with the Lord during the week. This is the system that religion has created. It's rampant where I live. I was listening to, uh, was overhearing a conversation at a dinner. I was having dinner with a friend a while back, and I couldn't even hear what she was saying to me because the woman next to me was ranting about church. And uh, her voice, it was like God put a microphone next to her voice, and it was the only thing I could hear. And what she was saying was, She's sitting with her niece and her niece is saying, I wish you would come to church with me. God is moving. It's really amazing. God's doing all this cool stuff. And she said, I will never go to your church because people don't dress up. And she said, there is something that just feels so good about putting on your good clothes and going to church on Sunday that just feels so good and right. And my week just doesn't feel right if I haven't done that. And because your church doesn't do that, I will never go there. I'm going to be honest with you, friends. I wanted to vomit. This woman was mistaking God for ritual and tradition. She was missing God for ritual and tradition. She liked the feeling of being seen and having her Sunday best on and checking a box more than she actually wanted to know the living God. How many of us know people like that? That is the work of the leaven of Pharisees. It is the work of the spirit of religion. It is the mindset that is rampant in the South and the Midwest. And I'm telling you, God is overthrowing it right now. God is building systems. He's breaking down structures. He's getting creative because he is tired of religion being an imposter for him. He is tired of watching his people give their adoration to religion and not to Jesus himself. And I'm tired of it too. I hope you are. So what do you do if you're listening to this and you're going, oh no, I've got some of this going on in my life. Look, you just need to repent, take it captive, and ask the Holy Spirit to cleanse your mind. Break the power of that assignment over your life. We all have to do this. If you live in the Bible Belt, you need to do this. I'm telling you, religion is trying to affect the entire body of Christ, and it is starting in the Midwest. So what do you do? This is not a danger thing. This is not like a scary thing. You do what the Bible tells us. You recognize your authority. You recognize that there are no hoops you need to jump through. There is no distance between you and God. There is no separation between you and the Holy Spirit ever. Recognize this. Let the Holy Spirit renew your mind. And when those thoughts come in, take them captive. I am not saying you can't enjoy a tradition. I'm not saying you can't enjoy like a ritual. That's not the point. It's when that tradition is elevated over your connection with God that it becomes a problem. Also, recognize when you begin to focus on your behavior and the behavior of others. We want good behavior. We want that. But more than anything, we want good hearts. And if we can have good hearts, the behavior will follow. I hope this is helpful for you. If you've got questions, please don't hesitate. You can email me at Rachel at, uh, oh gosh, I always say that wrong. Rachel at rachelwartman.com. You can message me on social media. Uh, I'll love to answer your questions, help you out any way that I can. Until next time, be blessed. 
So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.